Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. I have escalated the situation, and admittedly, I have tattled on the building manager. During, during the break, just went back and saw the Prez, okay? Caught up with Steve. I'm like, look, man, four hours every afternoon, AC's broken. We got to figure something out. Sarah emailed the building manager, who, for our listeners' purposes, think of when Dwight Schrute bought the building in the office, single-ply toilet paper. The building manager has one job, and that is to fix the air conditioner told Sarah that we need to get over ourselves, so I have escalated the situation to Steve. We should be good. To, to management now. Okay. I, I respect it, and, you know, I'm going to, I'm just going to thank you. I'm not going to get involved, not going to get in the middle of it, um, but I'm, I'm pretty hot in here. So. Well, and as our next guest can attest to, he's known me for 20 years, getting over myself is not in the cards. You deal with it, okay? It's who I am. Uh, it's been quite some time yeah. since we had my guy back on the show, former BYU quarterback. Great job on the Analyst side with both basketball and football. Blaine Fowler on a Thursday. Blaine, happy Thursday, bro. Well, I was going to come in, but I heard about the air conditioning problem, so I decided to stay home and do it over the phone because there's only one person that can't stand to be too hot more than you, and that's me. So okay. I'm, I'm like... I'm sitting here in the air conditioning, and I'm feeling good about life, and I'm feeling bad for you guys because I love you guys. Okay, I appreciate so. you, and I'm glad we got that out of the way because, yes, it is, uh, it's somewhat difficult when you're sweating for four hours, but nobody cares about the complaints, Blaine. <laughs> uh, let's get into it. Here, Blaine, here's where I want to start, okay? Um, I was, you know, the, the former PR director for MSG is now the PR director of the Jets, and I was texting with him this week to kind of get a pulse on how Zach's handling all of this. And you know I'm a Jets fan, have been my whole life. So when they drafted Zach, I was hopeful and, you know, hoping it was going to work out. Um, we were kind of texting back and forth about what he called the problematic nature of Italian evaluation during that difficult COVID season where Tom put together a schedule miraculously, but the competition level may not have been conducive to analyzing a quarterback if he can play in the NFL. I don't know how much is there. I just know it doesn't look good. You tell me, what's fair to say about Zach Wilson today? It's, you know, it's really hard to know. I, and, and the problem is, you know, I think he would be okay in San Francisco. In fact, so if he drops one spot to uh, in that draft to the Niners and has a chance to develop and play behind with a, with a good offensive line. Like, I was questioning how decent Aaron Rodgers was going to be this year. Not because it's, you know, it's because it's not Aaron Rodgers in his prime that could run all over the place. But when they signed Aaron, I'm like, what the heck is Aaron doing? Like, I realize they're bringing some skilled people in around him. There's good skill folks and that the defense is good. But but I'm looking at that offensive line going, Aaron Rodgers can't run around like he used to. He's going to get killed out there. Now with a non-contact injury with his Achilles. But I honestly, and you know me, I'm a New York kid too, right? You and I both grew up back there. 
I'm like, what is Aaron thinking with this? And so it's, it's, it's hard for me to judge. He can certainly make every throw there is to make, right? But playing quarterback in the National Football League is way more than that. It's, it's about the mental aspects of the game. It's about getting a pre-snap read and having a hunch about what they're going to run and then being able to, to dissect it in one step and get the ball out on time to the right spot. If it was just about making all the throws, then Tom Brady wouldn't be the greatest player in the history of the game. Or being a great athlete, same thing. Or Joe Montana wouldn't be one of the top three quarterbacks in the history of the game. They made a living by doing exactly what I just described. This is what the defense is going to be. Yep, I'm right. Here's where the ball needs to go. It needs to be on time. It needs to be in a good spot in a window. And that's how you play quarterback in that league. That's why lots of really good college quarterbacks don't, don't make it in the NFL. They play in systems in college where they take advantage of their athleticism or their big arm. It doesn't really matter that much in the NFL. Everybody can make the throws. It's can you make the right decisions? And I'm having a hard time deciding whether Zach can or not because it seems like every time he takes a snap, he's running for his life and trying to throw it on the run. Um, And then when he finally does get some time, I get it. When you're a young quarterback, you kind of get to the point where you're looking into the defensive line, wondering where they're coming from, and you're so surprised when they're not coming that – that you've now wasted just a half a second of time thinking about where they're coming from, and you're too late to make that decision and get it out. So I, I don't know that we'll know if he can play and unless he goes to another team. That's terrible to say as being a New York guy. But, uh, yeah, they, they're they not good up front, Spencer. You know that, and I know that. And that's hard to deal with. And I, and I don't think Zach's playing well, and I don't think he's doing the things that we talked about, but I don't know that he has a chance. Um, the the way they protect. One more thing on this, then we'll get to BYU and Utah with the time that we have because we don't get you a ton. But it, it's it. New York is hard when you're good, okay. And I know people like roll their eyes about the New York. It it just is. It's different. There's 13 daily periodicals. It's not just. I mean, it's it, the pressure cooker is for real and hard when you're good. He is getting killed in, in a way that I haven't seen in quite some time, including from Jet. Jets royalty like uh, Joe Namath. I don't know the kid. Right. I don't know Zach. I mean, I've had him on the show a couple of times. I know his mom's family, the Neelamans, are, you know, they were in Connecticut for quite some time. But I don't know Zach. How do you think he is handling it? And does he have the mentality to deal with the city that, again, is hard when you're good, let alone something like this? Fortunately for Zach, he's got a really good support group around him. You know, he were, John Beck is a really positive guy that works with him in the off season is there as a sounding board for him that's independent from his family. But, but you're so right. It's, it is hard to be in that city because the spotlight is as bright as it is there anywhere. It's, it's more, it's brighter there than any place in the world. It really is regardless of what you're in. You know, we have a daughter that's back there on Broadway and, and it's, Hey, you make a misstep and you just get panned, right? You, you like, you got to be the best of the best. That's what they say. If you can make it there, you can make it anywhere because it's just so brutally scrutinized all the time. And so, yeah, I, I think he's okay in the short term. As long as his head coach still keeps saying good things. I think his problem last year was he was in a fairly decent place. And there was like even his coaching staff. And he said some really, he said some things that were not smart. They were inflammatory, right? As a young guy that, that he needed to think about for, before he said, um, just, all you do when you're a rookie and you're making mistakes is you go, yeah, I make, I'm making mistakes. That's on me. I got to get back. You can never cast any shade anyplace else or they'll eat you alive. And that was a lesson learned last year. And then I don't know if he's ever recovered from that. 
The only thing is, 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 is I think that that coaching staff realized, whoa, we turned on this kid way too fast and that wasn't good. And now we've got him. We don't have another option. We better support him or we've got no chance. Right. And let, let's contrast that with, let's, let's go right back to our home state or to my home state. Yours is Connecticut to my home state. And, and the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen goes out there. He's got the lowest completion percentage in the National Football League for two years. Did we even hear about it? We didn't even hear about it. Right, yeah. Nobody, nobody said a word about it, right? Nope. They're like, did they miss? They took him out of Wyoming. Maybe There was a little bit of that, but it wasn't on every single national show every single day. And he played his way out of it. And bit by bit, they put pieces together, and now they're a Super Bowl contender the last couple of years. And he's he's a phenomenal talent, right? And and uh, but I don't remember the kind of scrutiny that Zach Wilson's getting with with Josh Allen when he literally had the lowest completion percentage in the league for two years. So it's just a t- it's a tough place to be. And you know, I think back, it wasn't this bad because because the team was so bad. But when Steve Young was was down in Tampa. We, we talked about this on our podcast a couple of weeks ago because we had Vi Sikahema on as well. Vi outlined for us how he saved Steve's job for him and his and basically made him what he is. And Steve was like, how so? And Vi's like, well, we were playing in the last game of the year, and this was before the old, old you know, before the days of the ping pong balls, where you guys were playing against us in the last game of the season, and the loser was going to get the first pick. And if, and if, and if Tampa Bay loses, they're going to take um, Vinny Testaverde with a number one pick. And, and Steve is going to probably get out of there. If they win and they have the second pick, then the Cardinals are going to take him, and Steve's probably stuck there maybe for the rest of his career. And it was like everybody was laying down. Like there was no defense played. Guys are just scoring touchdowns at will. And Vi was trying to make it to the Pro Bowl because he had an escalator clause in his, in his contract – if he made it to the Pro Bowl, his salary immediately escalated to the top player at that position in the league. So if I returns two punts for touchdowns, including one at the end of the game, and they win, the Bucks draft Vinny Testaverde, gets traded to, to San Francisco, and the rest is history. Yeah. He was terrible in Tampa. He was running around like a crazy man, and Steve's more equipped to run around better than, than Zach. Steve ran a 4-4, and he – his career would have never done a thing in Tampa Bay. And he gets to San Francisco where he gets to sit and he gets to learn behind Joe Montana, has a chance to develop, and that, now he's a Hall of Famer. And so he has Vice Gehammer to thank for that. But, but he also has just the fact that if he ends up even for a couple more years in Tampa Bay, he probably never recovers from that. I, I'm kind of feeling the same way for Zach right now. And I'm not saying Zach's a Hall of Fame quarterback. Don't get me wrong on that one. I'm just saying he's got – very little chance in the system he's in to to flourish there and develop. All right, I want to bring you into a conversation I've had with a lot of, and I noticed this because we try to have a lot of national guests on the show to get their take on the local college football teams. I, I just think it's um, unique insight as opposed to just the same old local voices that maybe sometimes have a different sort of agenda. And I started to notice, Blaine, that even now on a national scale, and for our listeners, Blaine was roommates with Kyle Whittingham, so you know, you, you're one of these guys that I trust to analyze both programs in a way that I don't trust a lot of people to. I'll, I'll just leave that there. It, it's become very easy. It, it's always been easy for us here locally after Kyle really established this program to define Utah football under Coach Witt. You ask anybody, like, what is Utah football under Kyle Whittingham? They all say the same thing, and we know the deal. 
defense, run the football, well prepared, coach. Toughness. Coach well, yeah. toughness, play hard, all that all that stuff. On the other side, are we able to define BYU football under Kalani the same way instantly, right? Do you, do you understand? Like, in order for BYU to move into this new endeavor into the Big 12 and duplicate the success that Utah's had and eventually win championships, I think they need more of a clearly defined definition under Kalani the way Utah football has their definition under Kyle, if that makes sense. I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, no, I would I, I would agree. Although I don't think Utah went into that league, and you remember they struggled for a couple of years, and you got to give Kyle a ton of credit because they went in there. Heck, I think you and I talked on the radio about this a bunch when they were first when they were first in that league. They were going out and they were recruiting. Their hotbeds for recruiting were California and Arizona. These are the same places that SC and Oregon and and all the teams in that league were recruiting, right? And and they were trying to go recruit speed and match speed for speed. And and it didn't take Kyle very long to go, okay, this is not a good formula for us. Um, we're getting in a heat. Now, this isn't Kyle's. This is my verbiage, right? But they were getting the leftovers in terms of the game-breaking speed guys um, and then going to try to play the game-breaking speed game against the teams that were getting the first and second picks, right? So they're going trying to match speed with USC and going trying to match speed with Oregon. And you can't do that because they got those kids and you didn't, right? And Kyle made a fundamental switch where he just said, you know what? The, we're going to make them match up with us. We're going to be the most physical team in this league. We're going to play lights out defense. We're going to beat the crap out of people at the line of the scrimmage on both sides of the ball. We're going to run the ball. Um, we're not going to turn the ball over. And Oregon is going to – we're going to turn a corner because Oregon's going to go, man, we got all kinds of team speed, but we never get the ball. They beat the crap out of us. And and then they beat us, and they make us turn it over three times. Um, and that's the formula. But, but it wasn't the formula when they first went in. I think Kyle realized that um, as they were in this journey and quickly pivoted to that, and, and now that's their identity. Um, and so And so for BYU – I think it needs to be similar. BYU can recruit the same kinds of kids, especially with Sione Pua down there and with Justin Enna down there and with Jay Hill down there. They know how to run that same kind of defense. I think I think BYU has to have that same mentality in this Big 12 where it's it's we may not get all the speed that TCU gets or Oklahoma. Now Oklahoma's going to be out of the league or even Kansas State gets or Oklahoma State gets, but – we can be the most physical team in that league, and we can beat the crap out of people at the line of scrimmage. Now, I don't think BYU needs to be quite as conservative as Utah's been because I think BYU can tap into consistently tap into high-level quarterback play, and maybe they're a little more balanced in offense than, than Utah has been up until recently. I mean, when they've got Cam, they're really dynamic offensively. Without him, they're back to kind of the way they were, and they're still winning. That, that tells you how good they've been on defense. But, but I do think on the defensive side of the ball, BYU has to morph into that over the next year or so. And I think it really helps that Jay Hill is there that has that vision and understands that and was at Utah when they made those decisions and completely gets it, who thinks exactly like Kalani does. So so give him a year or two, and I think we'll be saying the same things. All right, now let's move over to each team individually, and let's start with Utah. Uh, they'll see Oregon State tomorrow. It's a tricky trip. Utah knows this. They got God up there. 
about an hour and a half ago, the line shot up to four and a half. So everybody's assuming Cam isn't playing. I started the show with nature guy. Okay, so just deal with that for whatever that means. How long can Utah keep this up? I'm stunned they're 4-0 with, with everything that's going on. But if we operate off the assumption, I think it's probably time we should, that we're not seeing Cam for a minute. How long can Utah remain clean, Blaine? If, if, if they're really not going to see him for at least another few games, they're starting to get into the part, part of the schedule, Spencer, where um, as good as they are defensively, um, th- these teams that they're going to play are really, like, really good offensively. Um, it's this league is the best, in my opinion. I'd be interested to hear what you say on this. Then I think it's the best league it's been in ten years. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and I'm and I'm especially impressed with how good it is offensively. I mean, Washington, Washington State, and USC are one, two, three in the nation in passing offense. And then and then in total offense, it's Washington, Oregon, and USC. Uh, it's like any any stat scoring offense. It's USC, Oregon, and Washington. Washington looks as good as I've seen them in a long time. Um, and so they're, they're getting into now the part of their schedule where they're not going to hold teams to nine yards rushing. Um, and even if they do, that team might throw for 500 yards. You know what I mean? Um, and they're going to have to produce some offense. And so, so they're going to have to make some decisions. I, and I know they've sort of turned Nate Johnson loose. Um, when I say – I mean, he's the second leading rusher – on the team in terms of number of carries, he's averaging 3.2 yards a carry. But, but, but I feel like somebody has to pivot and go. Um, and Andy is going to have to say, "Boy, we're going to have to put him at risk a little bit. He's got to be way more involved in the running game, like called running game. Utah's going to have a chance to keep pace and keep score in, in some of these games. And that's a, that's a fine line between how much do you run him in actual called runs." Um, at risk of putting, you know, getting him hurt. But I feel like you're going to have to in some of these games to produce a little bit more offense. That just gives you another option. Teams hate playing against quarterbacks that can run the football. It's difficult to defend. To help them stay in it. And then their defense has to keep playing lights out. And to me, the most important stat, like they're number nine in the country in turnover margin right now. they got to be a top ten team all season long in turnover margin for them to stay on this role. Because um, that's important. That's how they just won the UCLA game. You know, they, yeah. they just locked UCLA down, didn't re- let them run the football at all, um, got got a pick six, so the defense scored. And even though the offense was anemic, they, they scratched out a win. So turnover margin, we can talk about all the other, you know, they're they're phenomenal. They're sixth in the nation in scoring D. They're ninth in total D. They're, they're third in rushing D. They're 57th in passing D. That's the thing that concerns me because they're coming up against some teams that can really throw it around. But the most important stat for me for Utah moving forward is, they got to keep producing turnovers and even either giving that offense short fields or turning directly into points. And if they can do that, then the magic keeps happening. The magic keeps happening. Um, and I'm with you. I, I think they're overachieving so far without Cam playing. I think they're really overachieving. It's because the defense has been so ridiculously off the charts good on, on, on that side of the ball. All right, last thing, Blaine, and Porter's pointing at me, so i got to put two minutes on the clock so we can pay some bills. But BYU's BYU's better than I thought they were going to be, okay? So I know BYU fans are bummed out about a loss. You get one tomorrow, you're four and one after five. I'm not sure how many people had that on the bingo card. Uh, You know, I think it's safe to say the Big 12 probably is a little bit, from my vantage point, uh, a little more down than I had expected. And you take Texas and Oklahoma away, which is happening next year. There's only... 
one top 25 team. BYU's already seen Kansas. So based off of what you've seen for the first four games, what are you expecting the rest of the way for Brigham Young? Yeah, what I just said that the pack is the best it's been in 10 years, I think the big is probably uh, – with, with, Texas is really good, like yeah. really good, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And, and Oklahoma's pretty solid this year. But that's a given, right? Outside of that, TCU's trying to reload this year. Kansas State should be better than they are. Kansas is really skilled offensively, but in my mind, BYU went and turnovers. We talk about turnovers. They gave the game away on turnovers. That's a game they should have won. Spencer, I actually had them 4-1, and one, but I had them losing at Arkansas and winning in Kansas. But they were plus one in turnover margin at, at, at Arkansas, and they were, you know, they, they gave up 21 points, 14 directly at Kansas, and so it flipped. I think they have a chance to be in the upper half of that league. I didn't know that before the season got going. I think the league's a, a little bit down this year, and BYU's probably a little better than we, than we think they are relative to that competition in that league, and I think they can finish in the top half of that league. I'm not going to be surprised now if they go out and win seven games. Not going to be surprised. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. All right. Um, anytime that you have the time, I have time for you. I know you're traveling and busy, but I really appreciate it, pre- I really appreciate it today, Blaine. And as I say, every time uh, that you leave the show, just go give Dave McCann the biggest possible hug you can for me. Deal? <laughs> I don't Dave's not a really hug guy. I don't know. You know, like when I hug him, he seems very uncomfortable, which I don't get because you and I hug it out every time we see each other. What's up with that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just force it on him. Say this is from Spence, and you have no yeah. choice. That would make me very happy. Buddy. That's because you, you and I are brothers, and evidently he's not considering me like you. You consider me. Well, and that, you know, I feel a little bad about that, but you're I feel my... good about you and I. I just don't feel good about he and I right now. Well, you're my guy. You're you're my guy, Blaine. You know that, okay? So be good. Keep up the great work, man. Love to have you on again soon, okay? Thanks, Spence. Good to talk to you, buddy. All right, Blaine Fowler, former BYU quarterback, now does some work on their TV with the analyst side. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.